On this episode of Eager to Know, a unique aspect of how we experience the art of music, seeing criticism as a gift, and I learn about the term music husbands. We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. A few weeks back, a friend of mine invited me to be his guest at a record release party for a band I knew nothing about. I didn't know what to expect, and as these things happen, I was pleasantly surprised and immediately made a connection with the music. It was a folk rock duo called They Won't Win. And that evening, I was able to experience their songs, but also hear them tell the personal experiences that inspired their creation. I wanted to know more, and that night they accepted my invitation to be a guest on Eager to Know. I have since been listening to their first full-length album titled Lost at Sea. I came into our conversation viewing this as a wonderful album created by a duo of talented musicians. But after spending time with Greg and Danny... I see these men and what they created in an entirely different way. Just a little longer, just a little longer. You watch, you wait. Just a little longer, just a little longer. Till judgment day. Everything you wanted and everything you got looked the same inside, and you're everything. Everything you would be. So that was the track, everything from your first full-length album, Lost at Sea. First of all, do you guys have a president of your fan club? (laughs) That's hilarious. It'd probably be our partners. I don't know. (laughs) Matthew's probably president of Bernard is vice president. I think so. Matthew's definitely the events chair. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, I definitely need to, to get involved. So, so tell me, I, I want to know about the origin of that song. Um, to me, it kind of is about looking outside of yourself. I, I see it as looking outside of yourself for meaning and value and ultimately seeing that it is inside yourself. That's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, it's, it's funny because there's a, sometimes we play around with 
uh, our our harmonies sort of represent different parts of a story, and so in this song in particular, um, we realized halfway through that my sort of weaving in and out of Greg's lead vocals is kind of me playing the role of Greg's sort of inner self, mm-hmm. um, sort of telling almost telling him like or telling yourself like you got this you're going to be okay and it started out as this as this sort of affirmation song right you can you can get there and you can get past you know whatever whatever comes your way it was kind of just that almost like a self-help moment right but then as we got into it we realized that uh often that moment is triggered by triggered by yourself it's not actually triggered by outside events it's not triggered by others it's actually yourself looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I want to get past this. I need to get past this. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of these songs would require a lot of life to be lived and a lot of experience in order to, like, I don't think these could be written by an 18 year old. He's just calling us old. <laughs> Which is true. Is I think it's one of the things we, uh, we're actually excited about with this album is that um, it, A, it took us a while to make, uh, B, we're, musicians of a certain age in our 40s right and uh i think you're right i think we wanted to bring to these songs some real lessons learned and and some real some real life and i think you're right i don't think you could i don't think you can just pick that up and pretend it right you have to live it to to feel it to write this kind of stuff and i mean we we did a lot of we did a lot of talking through the writing process. It wasn't as if the lyrics just sort of came out. There was a lot of asking each other, sort of probing each other. What is this song really about? Um, what are we really trying to say? And so there were many late nights spent just sort of um, reminiscing and, and sort of talking about really dif- difficult stuff and amazing stuff. and. Um, it's been quite the incredible, incredible process sort of working together. So how does it work in terms of, does one of you take the lead and then the other person supports the other one on a particular song? Or is it sometimes, is it just a 50, 50? Like, tell me about how that works. It's actually part of the fun we have with, again, kind of back to our vocals. Danny and I do a lot of play with that. Uh, who's, who's going to take the lead song structure of, hey, this is a locked Simon and Garfunkel style harmony song where we're really kind of singing the, the same thing. And it, we're trying to be one voice just in these kind of locked harmonies. Other times, like in everything we just talked about, the the harmonies are playing different roles. Uh, in terms of who who sings quote unquote lead, or a lot of our songs don't have a lead per se because the, the harmonies are so locked mm-hmm. in that kind of Simon and Garfunkel, Indigo Girls way. But uh, when we do, it's, it's, it's a mix. Uh, you know, some of the songs I'll kind of take the lead part of the story and some of the songs, in fact, the songs I think we're playing today, I'm uh, lead quote unquote lead on everything. And I think on lost at sea, Danny, Danny, I think we're playing lost at sea. Danny's the lead. Yeah. In terms of the writing process, do you mean? Uh, Yeah, I guess. Cause I think you were talking about, yeah, exactly. On the writing process. Yeah. So I think we, in terms of the writing process, Greg and I go very much sort of go back and forth. So sometimes, so so jumping into Lost at Sea, for example, Greg had this melody that you just couldn't get out of your head, I remember, and you sort of would play it, but it was sort of started off as a hum. 
and then um i the way i think of it is of greg gifted me the melody and said find lyrics for this um interesting and so that's like one way that we would write another way might be that that um uh melody and lyrics will come out at the same time and then we might share that with each other and and give really honest sort of like really honest feedback and then maybe then sort of hand it over sort of pass the baton and the next person would then take the sort of a next round and rewrite it um write a bridge um uh we like to experiment with all different approaches that sounds like a really like intimate relationship and from reading you know on your website i saw the the our story page it sounded like you guys um, your friendship was fairly new when you started getting into a musical relationship and that sounds it just sounds very intimate is how, how does that work well, is it's it fun, it's funny you say that because uh, our uh, our partners uh matthew and bernard uh call us music husbands and they, they're they're pretty comfortable with that you know what I mean? because it, <laughs> it almost takes this it almost takes this intimate relationship with songs like this to go there together because totally. it's super vulnerable it's super scary it's beautiful it's releasing it's all these things that you would you would use those adjectives in an intimate relationship right so it's funny you say that there, there were there are some moments that come to mind in the studio when we were kind of we're still we're still kind of writing in the studio you get in you think you know what you're what you're going to put at, put into uh the songs and then you hear them and you 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 make changes but there were there were moments where I think we kind of went beyond just just recording where we had moments where the meaning of the song would hit us and I don't know, almost in a moment forgot that we're in a studio and we would have these just moments of our friendship where we'd just sort of stop and think and talk for a moment. Um, it must have been interesting for the <laughs> for the Gravity Studios team to Yeah, the, to the other the other people involved. Right. Um, I do have questions about that because I am because um, I'm an I'm an artist, but I'm a painter, and so I work, um, you know, by myself, and I'm really not dependent on other people. How does it work with? This is more of a technical question as opposed to a creative question. Yeah. But obviously, you have um, a a bunch of work that you've done yourself, and then you have to rely on a production team. Mm -hmm. So. How, how does that work? Do you have to be very connected with them creatively? How, how do you convey to them what your vision is? Because they're executing it, right? Yes, yes and. Um, so we developed a, a process that we really loved in the studio that we called discovery sessions. And so Danny and I would bring our song to the day, right? And uh, everything being a good example. And, and what would you bring? What, what, what we would, would bring two voices and an acoustic guitar. And we would play the song for our musicians, our, our colleagues in the studio, our friends. And, uh, and we would say, kind of, here's, here's the emotion of the song. Here's what it, it is about. And then we would create some room for play. And so, and what, what we mean by that is we would just say, okay, let's play this together with that in mind. You've heard kind of the nature of the song, the basics of the song, the, the directionality of the song. And then we would play and we would all listen. Uh, it was a very active listening process. And then at moments, um, you know, we kind of got 
down, got this process down. And there'd come this moment often where the song would kind of then reveal itself to us. And we'd say, oh, there it is. Yeah. And, and we all felt it wasn't just me and Danny. It wasn't just our song at that point. It was all of our song because we had just created the sound of the story was ours, but that's the sound of the song was something that was absolutely created collaboratively. Yeah. I, some, uh, a trick that I think we learned halfway through, cause it took us two years. We're two years in the studio pretty much. And, uh, something we learned and this kind of cuts across many of the tracks is we would go, we, we would be discovering and trying to figure stuff out. And then we'd realize that one particular instrument represented a particular part of the story. And so there were lots of one-on-one conversations with, with Kai on cello or with Ben on piano, where we'd say, Kai, in this story, you are the, that, person trying to get out of this Mm -hmm. or or you are this you you are or even you're part of the scenery so when leaving london imagine that you are the cobblestone streets and the rain falling and we and so so we would give a lot of the time sometimes it was just technical it would be play this chord or play this note but sometimes it was just play this feeling and we I guess, learn to just trust each other as a team to sort of allow each musician to interpret what that might mean. So that's, that's incredible. Was that, I mean, do you have a background in, in music at all? Or was that you were just having a conversation about what the feelings and you were sort of trusting that they would be able to interpret that yeah. musically? Yeah. I, I don't have a background in music. Like in, any formal way i've always been involved in right right loved music and just always been in a band at some point in my life i have a little bit more formal musical training than danny but very very similarly um it it was more about trusting our instincts and again i think that's where the maturity comes in Mm -hmm. that we just said hey we're going to give ourselves permission to take the reins here but we also had uh julian stacy who was our producer who is an amazing collaborator who helped uh, not just push us technically, and and he's an amazing engin- you know, sound engineer, but he's also uh, he's a, also a storyteller, and he's also and now would be the punctuation I would make to what Danny was saying is it, if there was one thing we kept reminding ourselves is is what is the story here? How are we coming back to the story? How are we reinforcing the story? How is the cello representing a part of the story? How is we were pretty in our heads about it. We might not be. Um, classically trained musicians, but we're both artists and designers in other aspects of our lives. So I think we, I, I can speak for myself, but I also see it in Greg. It's like sort of Greg's like like design hat and sort of your your sort of the way you see the world and your your aesthetic almost comes through in sort of just through the music. I don't, I can't even find the way to express it. No, I I know what you're exactly what you're saying, and I think I think it makes it those conversations are easier if you have a creative mindset. You can have those types of conversations with a musician about what making the translation between what you're feeling and what you're trying to express. I think having that conversation with a musician, you could have the same conversation with a visual artist, probably. You know what I mean? Because your your brain is wired that way. That's what I think. Right, right, right. 
So I'm an oil painter. So the idea of creating, having something in my brain and then creating it and having the world receive it, I'm very familiar with, you know, what that feels like. But I feel like with music, I feel like it's at a whole nother level because I, I feel like music touches people at a much deeper, visceral, primitive way. It must be amazing to create something like you have and to have people receive it and to observe that. Like, tell me about that. <laughs> uh, it's the best part of the whole process, right? Early on, we realized, uh, obviously, songs are meant to be heard. It's a it's a relationship, right, with a with a creation and a listener, and 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 people. We often talk about it now that the songs are made. They don't belong to us, right? They belong to anyone. It actually makes me want to cry a little bit. It's like they belong to anyone who listens to them and has any sort of uh, reaction to them. And the reason I'm crying is uh, recently one of the songs deals with uh, some pretty tough stuff that happened in my life uh, related to some domestic violence. And it was a very scary story to tell for me. But then to have a woman in California who had been passed on this song from a friend and had kind of heard some of the backstory of it uh, tell me that this song really touched her and that she was carrying it with her in her heart because she was in a similar place and it, it gave her some hope that she could get to the next chapter. It just, there's nothing more powerful than feeling something like that or hearing something from another human being when you've put yourself out there like that. I didn't know that happened. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. That is amazing. So, so I, I, to, to build on what Greg is saying about, about, connecting to people and having them hear it it's i mean that's that's why we create anything isn't it i mean on one on the one hand we do create it for ourselves mm -hmm. right but 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 that's that that really has to only be half of the of the creative experience the other half is other people absorbing what you've created and having it change them in some way not that we have an agenda not that that we're trying to change people in particular ways because we can't control that mm -hmm. but the idea that we can create something that someone else finds beautiful or thought-provoking or deeply even sad mm -hmm. or or cathartic in some way that's i think that's what the human experience is supposed to be i think that's why we're all supposed to be in the world um to just connect with each other and this is just one way um to do that a very effective way i was just gonna say it's been very fun um watching the the kind of i'm fascinated by the like butterfly flaps its wings notion right and it's been fun to have the the random connections with you know i mentioned this this one woman who who had written me um, but just to see the ways that friends and family connect with it, because that's your first circle, right? Mm -hmm. And and to see how they they actually get to know you in new ways through this. And you thought, oh, of course my friends and family know my stories. One of the biggest uh, ideas here that was fascinating for me by doing this is learning, like, actually, our friends and families, when we tell our stories, benefit as well, because we, I think, assume uh, our inner circles know a lot more about us than they actually do. 
So this was a way for you to sort of become more intimate with people in your in your life. It was because it was a new way for you to express things that may, it sounds like you may not realize you hadn't expressed. Exactly. I think we all assume, oh, my friends and family know everything about me. When in truth, there's a lot we hide, right? There's a lot we don't share. In in, in and I think songwriting allows you to go into a different space of sharing, and uh, and that that was part of the satisfaction. He saw me on the shore I saw him next to me What we were fighting for No one could see Lost in some secret storm So that was Lost at Sea, which is the title track. The lyrics in that are pretty rich. I mean, there's a lot of a lot in those lyrics, I feel. He saw me on the shore. I saw him next to me. That says a lot in those two lines. Can you tell me about the background of that? that I think I know what it might be about, <laughs> but I'd love to hear. Um, so this was so this is that song that Greg had in his, the melody in his head and gifted me and said, put some lyrics to this. And it was um, literally, <laughs> I was on a boat <laughs> um, with my family on vacation and I had the melody going sort of around and around in my head, this Greg's humming. And um, I had this, this picture um, of this sort of voice, these guys two guys so maybe one was me and and an ex or 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 um or just two guys across an ocean sort of calling out to one another and they could hear each other's echoes but couldn't quite see each other and and started to sort of just get some rough lyrics down that i immediately shared with greg when i got back and then we did a deep dive and so sort of, and and really tried to figure out okay there's something here there's a story that we're that's both sort of in us that we need to tell. I would uh, just expand on that 
I think one of the most interesting things about Lost at Sea's lyrics is that it it brings in a lot of different pieces of things that Danny and I like. Uh, we like really mythic imagery. We both kind of grew up on, you know, across the Atlantic Ocean from each other. We both grew up on Clash of the Titans and loving it. And, you know, but, never but that, kind of. <laughs> I never thought of us, like, we literally grew up, like, across a sea. Right. That's so crazy. That's kind of good. That's good. We should, we should keep that. <laughs> um, but the, uh, uh, you know, but, but then we also admit to each other, you know, we both had a, a crush on Perseus and, you know, and, 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 and there's all, all of that baked into this story about longing, about, uh, about loss, about wanting to be lost with someone and be away from the rest of the, 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 that, the power of saying, I want to be lost with someone to us was a really, really key idea of the song we tried to capture that feeling and i remember you and when we landed on the lyric lost at sea and you said to me um let's make sure that it's clear that in this case being lost is a really magical wonderful thing even though there are moments in the song that uh, this is not a perfect love affair by any means and it's also it's a it's a love that has been lost and it's in the past um which we both have experienced um in our lives but and maybe this is why it's the final track it's almost us saying hey yeah we there there are there are difficult times we go through but there's no reason why those hard things can't also be wonderful things that that become part of us going forward. Yeah, one of the the first line in the song is careful what you believe, which that really stuck with me because, you know, I personally think that your what you believe structures your entire reality and your life. It's so powerful. And um so that's that's what got my my attention initially with this song was that initial lyric. It's also kind of this uh, warning about we, we we see it as this kind of come closer listener moment, you know what I mean? But then careful what you believe. It's this it's this it's this cautionary tale about storytelling, the stories we tell ourselves, the lies we tell ourselves, the truths we're afraid to believe. You know, there's all of that. There's all of that baked in there. And once we got going, we we were really feeling this song was a it was a. This was, you know, you talked about being a painter, right? And we all know there's there's different styles of painting. There's very photorealistic painting. There's figurative painting. There's all all manner of different styles. In the same way, uh, some of our songs, uh, "War," I will use as an example, is a little bit more of a straightforward. Like, here is a story song. This is an honest depiction of something that happened, mm-hmm. right? Lost at Sea is a little bit more of a figurative painting. It's more loose. It's loose, and it's meant to be, so that the 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 listener can go in from all manner of angles and experience it and feel it in different ways, but hopefully with that mood uh, we are trying to convey of the magic of of the sea and being lost and 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 the the beauty of lost love. Right. If if there was one song on the album that I think we don't really quite grasp what it's about. It's it's this song. So the fact that you're asking us is, sort yeah. of, is not surprising because maybe it's it it it's the it's it's 
the fuzziest. I think we're still learning about it too, which okay. is interesting to say, right? Yeah. It, it is done and we're, yeah. it's birthed. We're happy with it. Yeah. yeah. But it's okay to say maybe that we're still learning what, what it's, it's about, about too, as we hear how people connect with it. That's interesting. And that, that brings up another question that I had. Um, obviously, you are intimately involved in every aspect of this. And then you produce the album and you feel like you know it. Now that it's out there and you are experiencing it somewhat through other people, has that changed how you view the work? Yes. Oh, absolutely. The, the, the most surprising thing so far, and I'm sure there's going to be lots more surprises along the way, the 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 most surprising thing so far is how people are describing the feeling of listening to it. And I think it's because when we were writing the songs and when we were recording the songs, we're telling our own very personal stories, whether we experience them or witness them or witness each other go through them. And so if we're really honest, there's a lot of there's a lot of sadness and rage and and hope inside every song in some way. And some something we did not expect people to say was how calming the album was and how peaceful. And that that for me and I chill. Chill. We're like, what? Really? <laughs> I would use the word healing. Huh. Like wow. I feel, because I, I feel like it is. It brings up all of that stuff that you just described, but it's done in a way that is feels safe. Mm -hmm. And I think wow. I, I think uh, it's also the release of it. As you're talking, I think what people are experiencing. I think it's. I think it's cathartic, and and I, I think healing is a great word. I think it's powerful when you witness when you bear witness to someone go through a journey that has the valley and they get to the other side right it's the underdog story we root for people right we um we root for them to get to the other side of the valley right and so i think maybe while while we can go in and and feel these intense things about the lyrics of the songs and the stories of the songs i i would hope that that's what that means that people are there's that release of it. There's that that the beauty of getting to the other side, maybe. I, I, I love that. I think I think we also a lot along the whole process, we kept coming to the point that we we knew that we were creating something that we would both love to discover. We we're creating something that we each wanted to discover rather than predict how people might respond or what we should create. So our test of whether or not we'd found our sound or found the right lyric was, do we find that beautiful? Do we, does it make us want to, like, does it give us chills? Does it like, does it make us want to just listen and listen? Um, so I think part of the journey of creating the whole album was this sort of quest if you like of finding some finding beauty for ourselves and we we almost had like we allowed each other to veto stuff so if we weren't if we weren't both a hundred percent behind what we had just put together if one of us had an even an inkling of doubt even if the other so so if 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 i loved something and if Greg was like, uh, something isn't quite right, 
I had to be willing to let go of my love of that moment to find the version of that that both Greg and I would sounds absolutely like, love. Sounds like a musical marriage. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a musical marriage. I guess it is. Yeah. So this was your first album, which to me means this is the first time you've experienced this process at this level of intensity. Was it an easy transition to go from whatever you were doing with your brain before you did this to doing this quite a bit, I guess a lot of hours? Yeah. Um, was that, was it a ramp up or did you just jump in? Did it take a while to figure out? I'm guessing like any creative process, any creative medium, uh, you go through writers, painters, everyone, we all go through, it's a sine wave, right? It's not, I, I know very few creatives who are kind of, I hit optimal, you know, production capacity and I kind of stay right there evenly through until the thing is done. You know, ours was a roller coaster like everyone else's. And so the answer is yes. And there were times I think we jumped into it with our whole hearts for sure. But there were there were times where we were tired. Uh, life gets in the way. We, we you know, we both have pretty intense uh, jobs. Um, uh, we have wonderful daughters, uh, but uh, we also want to be good. We want to be good dads to them. And so that that requires energy. And so all these things require energy. And so it's a matter of saving up enough of the energy so that we could get and the money and time and you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Because because uh, we, you know, you have to make it work. You know, you have to pull it all together. But did you know what you were doing? Because you, 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 mm. you know what I mean? Like you weren't doing this before. And so now you were doing something new. And was there like a ramp up of like, we don't really know what we're doing. And then a month later, okay, now we kind of figure mm. out how this process works sure. and how to actually, uh, you know, with all of these things that you were discussing in the process, that right. sounds very sophisticated. And it doesn't sound like you could just go from, you know, from a start to doing all of those things, it would be a, a big ramp up. Is that accurate? I think there are some things that I think just came completely naturally. Okay. Where... I'm trying to think of something very specific, but it's probably it's because we're both creative that we're mm -hmm. both artists. I I write fiction and I design uh, choose your own adventure stories and 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 Greg's like graphic designer and a storyteller and and so we so we didn't have to learn to 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 let go and trust. The creative process, I felt very comfortable from the get-go. I was like a jump, I was like a teenager in my head, like this sort of giddy, excited, like I'm in a studio, this is like a dream come true. And I think we sort of like just hit the ground running. Um and so I don't think we I don't think I had to learn okay. how to create the technical stuff, sure. Like, yeah. oh, like how should I sing into um singing into a mic in a booth is different to singing on a stage. But I'll off offer a counterpoint to that a little bit like those discovery sessions I was mentioning before mm -hmm. where we would get everyone together and kind of find the song that was something we discovered a few months into the studio process um and then the the other place I would say there was kind of the the we didn't know what we were doing to I felt like by the end we're in a very different place so uh, I mentioned our producer Julian Stacy you know at the beginning of the 
the beginning of the two-year process of being in the studio, we definitely were the songwriters coming in and working with some amazing musicians to hopefully bring our stories alive. That's where we started, right? And working with this great producer to bring our stories alive. I would say about, you know, nine months into the process, Julian turned to us one day and he said, so you guys absolutely are going to have co-producer credit on this because you guys are producers. Like okay. This is something you're good at of hearing and bringing the right kinds of sounds, the right kinds of references, because we always always use references in our art of like, it's it's this is sort of the purple rain of the album or, you know, whatever the case is, right? But point being, uh, point being, there was a journey for us of absolutely, I would have never called myself a uh, uh, producer. That's true. To by the end of the two years, we absolutely, we we produced the album with with Julian. It wasn't just right. the singing and 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 the guitar playing that we brought to right. the, the album. So you guys were obviously creative, you know, before you did this. Has this experience like shifted the way you approach other creative endeavors? Absolutely. Mine mine is super simple. I feel like I trust myself more now. Um, okay. I've always been super self-critical. I'm still self-critical. <laughs> uh, but I feel like I really have a different level of trusting my instincts now in in non-musical pursuits as well, which that, has been really interesting. That's awesome. That's amazing. That's an amazing um, result from this experience. I would agree. Yeah. I, it's It makes me happy. I'm not I still second guess myself. I'm not saying that at all, but I just, I trust myself more. Let's say that. Okay, great. I think for me, the, so what have I learned or how, or what do I apply this experience to, how do I apply this experience to other aspects of my creative life? I, I think that, I think for me, it's the collaboration. Um, like we were talking about before this, this, when you work really close with someone like Greg and I have, we have to, it's not just trusting ourselves, it's trusting each other. Um, and so that when the other person says, hey, there's something not quite right here, just being really open to say, and just to trust, like, okay, let's just, let's just like go down another path. Let's, let's try something new. Um, I'm way better at taking feedback than, <laughs> than the beginning of the process. That's for sure. It's you have, you have to get better at it. Yeah. yeah. But, but feedback as I, I used the word earlier as a gift, like, like we give each other things. Um, and so I, I feel like it's like, like crit criticism get it's such a dirty word, but it's, but it's a gift. It's it it it's there to just find that find that beauty that, that we're all looking for. Criticism is a gift. That may be the, the one of the <laughs> key quotes of the interview. That's a good one. Would you think of this endeavor as something that was like a scary thing that you went into, or was it something that you went into with? confidence. And where I'm going with this is I'm thinking about other people who are creative and thinking about taking a leap or a jump or taking a risk. And I'm thinking about, you know, what they can take from your story um, and what they could learn from it. Totally scary. <laughs> totally. But, but that's part of the, that's part of the amazingness, right? So, so how it's, 
it's bloody scary to like to put out these lyrics that represent really personal parts of our lived experiences and uh, that's scary but then but then it's not just the lyrics it's it's this is how we're hearing a particular song and i mean there's always that fear that someone's gonna find this cheesy or just really trite or or and and so we would we would obviously check each other maybe maybe we've maybe this is something that we just wouldn't have been able to do alone because we've had each other literally sort of like whispering into each other's ears like is this okay are we doing this right is this the way this should sound um and so oh my god it's totally scary but but everything should be scary if something's not scary then we're not pushing ourselves right i i tell i tell my daughter like if something if you're if you're nervous about something it means you care about it yes um if you're not nervous then you're you're not growing and you don't care you need to find something that you're really nervous about and then do that and i would just add to that there was also a layer of uh hopefulness uh in here so there as you were asking that question there's this quote by uh, Evelyn Waugh, uh, who wrote Brideshead Revisited, that is one of my go-to quotes. And I, I can't say it perfectly, but the abridged version is basically, I, I went to this city with this, with this hope that I would find this low door in the wall that I knew others had found before me that opened onto this enchanted garden in the heart of the city. And it's, it's this search that maybe I'll, via this process, find something magical and true and something that I I've heard existed but I I wasn't quite sure so it's funny the subject for me the subject matter was really scary um because I had never ever written songs that were so personal I'd never written anything that even I've written songs since I was 17 I've never written a song about telling the world that I went through a domestic violence situation and how hard that was and how angry it made me and how, how, how tough it was and scary. But the process itself of, of telling that story to me was hopeful. It was always this, it was always, I was looking for that low door in the wall. Like I wanted to find that same, that same garden. Do you think you did? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It feels, feels like I did. <laughs> it feels, it just feels good. It, it, there's something at the end of the day, I think all art has this subjective quality and you put it out, you put it out in the world and you hope things for it. It's like you hope things for your child. Uh, you hope things for your family members, you know, it's, it feels that personal. Right. But, uh, but I'm so proud that these songs are out there in the world. Great. Are there any bits of advice or guidance or tips that you would give to people that are in a creative environment, creative situation and creative environment, and they are considering doing something scary or doing something with risk, um, kind of like where you are? So for me, my biggest piece of advice would be, um, and I think Anne Lamott, wrote about this um, in her book uh, Bird by Bird um, uh, on fiction writing that you have to um, sort of learn to love the shitty draft 
You have to um, expect that the first thing that comes out is not going to be even close to perfect. But but if there's something in you that just needs to be out there, get it out there, and then keep working on it and keep working on it and keep working on it. Because um, eventually, even if it takes a long time, eventually you, you're going to create something beautiful, but, but you have to get it out of yourself first. And I love this idea of what is great, right? Because I definitely don't have all the answers to this question in terms of sage wisdom for, for the creative process. But the one thing I would share that I have internalized that I think would be helpful to a lot of people is just the simple idea of what you create is a very personal, is a very personal gift to the world. Not everyone is going to love it. It is not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And that's a very logical thing if we all think about it, right? We don't all love every single song we hear. We don't all love every single movie that we see. But those songs and those movies are super personal to the people who created them, right? But if we can, if we can have that relationship with our art that be proud of it, be, be bold in putting it out there, tell your stories understand that some people will connect with them, right? But it's okay that not everyone connects with them. And that's just part of the, that's part of the world of, of creativity. And I think a lot of people get trapped in the idea of they hear any kind of feedback to the negative and they go into a hole of not wanting to put more out and it's the exact opposite. Right. Or, or non-response or not, or, or not, are not getting a response. Right. Keep making art. That is, that is great advice. So I've been listening to this album for the past two weeks, and I thought one way about it. And now I think, after talking to you guys, I think a little bit differently. I kind of feel like it's a storybook. I, feel, I, I was thinking of you guys as musicians, and now I think of you as storytellers after, after speaking with you. And I feel like it's like a book of small little fairy tales and stories that, with illustrations. That's how I see it now. That's about the best compliment we could possibly possibly get. That's that's incredible. Because um, it effectively is. We it's funny you say that because we would describe the album that way, especially as we got to the finish line and we said, "There's kind of ten stories here," and we would talk to the musicians about telling the, the stories. And so, you know, whether it is a story about about a new love or it's a story about being kicked out of home. Yeah, a story about losing, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is a story about losing a childhood friend. Uh, and these are all, you know, they're they're all little stories. And so I love love that you said that. Um I think we we're you know what's funny is I've never had the real confidence, maybe until now, until like a month ago when the album was actually out in the world to actually say I'm a musician. Um but I don't think that really matters what whether we are musicians or not. Um, so if we if people if people hear our songs as stories, that's feels it feels like that's more important than hearing than perceiving us as as being as being musicians that makes sense that you would think that that you would value that more based on talking to you so danny and greg thank you so much this has been um really thrilling and awesome for me to talk to you guys
I don't think I've ever like listened to music and got so attached to it. And then to be able to speak to the people that created it. And I, I was, I was talking to you out in the hall. I went to your, um, your release party and during that which by the way was amazing so the the release <laughs> party was, was everyone had wireless headphones um so that so when you walk into the space at meeting house tavern i walk in and it's completely silent and everybody has on these headphones with like blue lights and i'm like what the heck have i gotten myself into <laughs> and it was because everyone was listening to the music and then you guys would get up and you would speak about you would give the background on each um, you, know, you know, tell a story about each song and then everyone got to listen to it. And it was brilliant because everyone was not talking. They weren't socializing. They were listening to her music and they were also listening to the music at the highest fidelity and quality they could because it's on headphones. Um, what I wish though is I wish I had listened to everything beforehand because it would have been so uh, wonderful to hear all of that commentary that you provided that night. You know, if I had already had been exposed to the songs. I was hearing them for the first time that night. Right. So, but thank you guys so much. This has been, oh been this really great. Our Total pleasure. pleasure. Thank you for having us. Thank you. You can learn more about They Won't Win at theywon'twin.com. Lost at Sea is available wherever you buy or listen to music. Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, and Amazon. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.